0: And so today I want to take it one step further and this is a series that God put in my heart was to speak upon the, some very, very, very hot button topics that are very intense right now. So is it okay if I do that? Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. I'm going to go there. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 to study to show yourself approved. Before we go there and read that, though, what did Jesus say? What was Jesus' great commission? We know what it is. It's going to all the world preach the gospel. We understand it. But I saw something this week in my study on that. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 28. Matthew, the 28th chapter, if you'll bring that up for me. It says in Matthew 28, verse 19, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's Jesus confirming what we know as the Trinity. Three and one. You're with me, right? We believe in the Trinity. Three persons, one God. And teaching them, everybody say teaching. That's called apologetics. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus says if you'll do this thing, if you'll do what Pastor Pat is preaching on right now, on understanding how to defend your faith, I'm going to be with you, I'm never going to leave you. I'm going to walk beside you. And he goes on to say, go into all the world and do it. He started off, he said start off with your city, your state, your country, your world. That's what he said right there. In fact, what I want you to understand is, I want to read to you the verse that we have used that I love. It's in the Message Bible of Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture. I love this. I could preach on this scripture for a year and a half. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. What the world calls knowledge, God says it's immature. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity inside of you. Folks, it is time we absolutely got to a place where we understand what we believe. I need some people on my desk this week, uh, today, to join me over here. Can I get two students in school, two, two school students? Raise your hand. Hannah, would you come sit right here? And uh, uh, let me get um, somebody else. Raise your hand. I need, I need a student. Come on, sweetheart. Come, come sit right here. I need one more. I need, I need, a, I need a fella. Any, any guys? Uh, Nate, Nate, come on. Come on up here, Nate, if you don't mind, just really quick. And Joe, next week I'll use you, okay? But I'm going to leave one desk empty because that represents the 25% of a generation that's dead from abortion. That's the kid that didn't show up for class. Oh, I've already just like shot you in the mouth, haven't I? Just hold on. I'm going to get very real with you today. I'm going to hit two issues that are very, very, very tender and dear to my heart. I'm going to go into these issues and we're going to talk on some things and God has already spoken prophetically first service and even through our dance group our intercessors dancers called me yesterday. I'm just chilling out at the house watching ball watching football. I get a phone call and they begin to speak to me and I've got the prophetic words right here that they wrote as they were praying for today's service that God is going to remove some guilt off some people's lives today. Paul said I would that all men be free. See, what you got to understand is, as I move into this, I I, want to, I'm going to take my time with it so if we don't get out when we normally do. I'm sorry. Pretty soon, we're probably going to be starting a third service and maybe even a fourth service. So you can go to one of those. Here we go. (laughs) Oh, here we go. Write this down. Number one. And the winner is. And the winner is. What do you mean? Who's winning right now? Let's say it just like this. How many of you know we do not go to war just to win, we go to war to occupy, right? But I am in awe as I watch the agenda of the anti-God establishment in America. You know what I believe their agenda is? To push, try to push through so much legislation at one moment that really we'll, we as the church will just sit back and say, well, just give me the lesser of the evils. So they win. They get something out there. What do you mean? Well, we've been we've been on the wrong side of the issues for the last 40 years according to them. And for too long, we've sat back and hidden in our little cellars and we've had our little prayer, our little prayer services and, and at the same time, we won't stand up for what we believe. Now, do I believe in praying? Yes. Do I believe we need intercession? Yes. In fact, there's a core group for intercession and I've, I personally am a part of helping to get started. I'm going, we've got to have this. And, and, and Ms. Connie Lawrence, Dr. Connie Lawrence is right back there. She's helping me to launch this. We've met in my office. But at the same time, I hear the clarion call for the church to stand up for what we believe again. I hear God calling out to us. In fact, in recent days, there's even been legislation proposed that will put America in grave danger. I believe that. I'm going to get very real. The media, the pundits, the anti-God establishment makes us look like we're out of touch, like we're bigots, we're old-fashioned, or or, or we're just plain ignorant. And so so as I move into this word today, please know my heart. Look what First Timothy 4 says. It's speaking about new believers and babies and young children. It says, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in apologetics, in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to publicly reading the Scriptures, to preaching and apologetics, teaching. You're still with me, right? How many of you know Deuteronomy 28, the powerful Scripture that Jesus quoted so often? There's a verse in there that says, in Deuteronomy 28, the promise of the Old Testament, which was for, uh, for brought forth in the New Testament, he said this to you, he said, I have made you the head and not the tail. The problem is, the church is playing catch up. Remember what I told you for the last, last generation, all we did was preach about the rapture? So we prepared ourselves to leave while everyone else was preparing to occupy? When I do believe the rapture is going to happen, I can't wait. In fact, if you miss it, you can go to my house and have my demon-possessed dog, because Maddie's not going. And so what you have to understand is, but I'm not worried about the rapture. How many prophetic words did we hear through the years? My hand is on the door. (laughs) The doorknob's turning. All those prophetic words, they were awesome. But at the same time, it caused us to hide from reality of actually teaching truth for today. Man, I went to bed wondering if I was going to wake up the next morning. And that's wonderful. I believe that I can't wait for the rapture. But at the same time, I also have to deal with my reality. My reality is I got to get up and go to work every day. Or I had to get up and go to school every day. I had to go to college every day. See, what you got to understand is God is teaching us to do, number two, write this down, defend the faith. How is that? Through apologetics. What is apologetics? It is the branch of theology concerned with defending Christianity as a res. And let me just say this. There was a baby crying just now. Babies can cry in our church because it's a beautiful sound. And so I just saw a sweetheart take... And, and I understand we have nursing and everything, but especially with what I preach on today, that baby actually helped. Okay, great illustration. Thank you. We didn't plan it, but it was awesome. The branch of theology concerned with, the defending, with defending Christianity as a reasonable and practical faith. Watch now. Remember what I told you—that in apologetics, you have to have logic. Don't walk in with your Bible verses because they don't think your they think your Bible's worthless. When you walk into class, they're like, seriously. Don't throw your scripture at me. But at the same time, Nate, when you go to the university this next year, Hannah, when you go to university this next year, understand something. You walk in and that professor who spent his lifetime destroying kids in 15 minutes of a 101 course, you better know more than just your scripture. You better know some logic, some reason. Logic is the facts. Here's the facts, big boy. Here's why I don't believe in this. My reason, because that's philosophy 101 right there. My reason for it, how I came to my conclusion, and my prescription. Why I legislate this way in my life. Are you still with me? Everybody say amen. In fact, I came up with something else when I was studying apologetics this week. Conversational apologetics. How do you start a conversation with somebody? You—you you, Maybe you're not like me. I've been on a lot of planes. In fact, for a while there, I thought I had to go to Atlanta to go to heaven. Or Cincinnati or Dallas or Salt Lake or Minneapolis. Watch. Here's what you do when you start out with your conversation faith is not wishful thinking. Wishful thinking won't get you anywhere. Faith is absolute. I'm not hoping this is all real. <laughs> no, it's for real. Number two, faith is not speculation. I trust in someone who really exists and who is true to his word and character, a being who is worthy of being trusted. Number three, faith is not something but someone. It is about Jesus, not just an idea. I don't stop. I've never stopped on a Sunday morning to say, everybody shut your eyes. Let's take a moment of silence for our higher power. I have a savior. His name is Jesus Christ. He died on the cross. He rose again. He's coming back for me. Give God a praise. Amen. How many of you enjoying this series so far? We got to know what we're doing, whether you work at Walmart or whether you wait tables, you better know what you believe. Whether you, you work in a law office or you hand out medicine as a pharmacist, you better know what you believe. Because God, once you get this, get ready for doors to open. Because the smarter you get, the more God can trust you with other people's lives. Remember what I told you? We ran from science, even though all science eventually leads to God. It's just what I told you last week when I was talking about the whole coexist concept of all the different religions. Really, they just all they're all the same. It's just God's way of letting everybody have just a hodgepodge because it all just boils down to us getting back to God. Right. Err, no wrong. Sorry. I told you that Islam, Buddhism, science. We're going to hit this in the next few weeks, by the way. Judaism, paganism, Wiccan, all of it. You know what I love right here? They save the cross to the end because let me tell you something. Every niche about every 10 confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Romans 14. But see, what you got to realize is, and I told you this, faith requires, a, uh, let, let me see, faith is not something but someone. It's about Jesus. Number four, faith requires a response. Where much is given, much is required. Number five, faith is evident by one's application of life choices. Don't tell me you're a born-again believer or you're a sold-out believer when you live contrary to God's Word. Just because you can pray a prayer does not make you okay. There's actually conviction there. There's standards, there's holiness, there's integrity. Okay? Number six, faith is daring the soul to go beyond what the eyes can see. Right? Who can tell me what Second Corinthians 5, 7 says? Anybody know? Somebody tell me, what, what does that mean? Write real, real quick, like we're in class. What does it say? Anybody know? Look it up. Somebody look it up for me. Who has their Bible? Number seven, and then when you get it, raise your hand, because I want somebody to say it in here. Be my witnesses, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. What does it say? There you go. Faith is not about what I can see. Faith is what I know. Okay? I can't see those children, but I can hear them. I know they're there. Follow me. I can't see my parents right now who will be getting on a plane tomorrow and flying from New Zealand. But I know they're in New Zealand. Faith is not about my sight. It's not about, let's, let's move forward. Are you still with me? Number three, write this down. Learn to listen to your inner voice. What do you mean, pastor? Inner voice. Learn to listen. That almost sounds like humanism right there, pastor. It's almost like you're talking about humanism. Listen to your inner voice. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit is the moral compass of every believer. I'm a temple. I'm not a shack. He lives inside of me, the Bible says. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. You want to write a letter to the Holy Spirit? Here's your post office. Mail it right here. Because he lives inside of there. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Jesus walked into the upper room and, and John chapter 20, and it's right after the crucifixion, and all of a he, it says he breathed on him, and he said, receive you the Holy Spirit. That is the moment they received their salvation moment. Then in Acts chapter 2, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay, well, that, that, that was free. Now what you've got to understand is, the Holy Spirit is my moral compass. He's my gut check. It's the thing that goes, "Ugh, don't do that, Pat. The problem is, I want to teach you a term in just a moment. How many of you know Psalms 51? David said it best, cast me not away from your presence, O Lord. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Everybody still with me? Our inability to recognize what is right or wrong, black or white, is due to years of ignoring the pleading of the Holy Spirit. Used to you had white knuckles on the pew in front of you. Now it's like, whatever. Just another stupid church service. Another altar call. We can all get there. I got there when I was in high school. You ignore the pleading of the spirit. Years of propaganda can also eventually dissolve your stand on issues. What do you mean? There was a time when you thought, no way, that's wrong. Now it's like, ah, whatever. Que okay, sera, Whatever it will be, will be. You know what? I'm just going to do my thing. And here's what I've learned. There's a term that you have to understand. In fact, social scientists labeled it this. And this is probably the most studied of social sciences. And the term is very simple. It's called cognitive dissonance If you can read my writing right there but it's also right up there what is cognitive dissonance i'm gonna ask jill to help me in just a second because she's our psych teacher in the class this morning and but basically it, it i'll read it to you it's an uncomfortable feeling caused by holding two contradictory contradictory ideas simultaneously what do you mean i know i don't need to go get wasted but my friends want me to I know my family has come out of that, alcoholics, but I'm not going to go drink. Well, you know, maybe it's okay. Maybe one drink's okay. It's what you know is right, but because of the forces coming at you, you choose to do another, and you basically end up making a compromise. I'll I explain it right the ideas or cognitions and the question may include attitudes, beliefs, the awareness of one's behavior In fact, The theory of cognitive dissonance proposed that people have a motivational drive to reduce dissonance by changing their attitudes, beliefs and behaviors by justifying, rationalizing their attitudes, beliefs and behaviors. OK, what did you just say? It's like this. You're basically you know what is right. But because of your actions over a period of time. You will change your belief system to meet up to make you feel okay with your actions. Jill, did I just say that right? So, see, in other words, in other words, what do you mean? It, it, it makes you rationalize or rationalization. What does that mean? The tendency to create additional reasons or justifications to support one's choices. Look what it says in Ephesians 14, the Message Bible. It says, wake up from your sleep, climb out of your coffins, Christ will show you the light basically what it says right there i love that in the message bible is is basically what this means in other words it's the inner conflict it's i know that i not, i shouldn't have sex before marriage because god's called me to be pure but we really love each other and in god's eyes we're okay and you just compromised See what, what? Okay, okay, okay. If we ignore our spirit man through our doubts and, and though our doubts overwhelm us, then we can ease our internal conflict by allowing us to avoid commitment to a particular truth. Am I right? Welcome to America today. I know it's wrong to kill babies, but have you seen the population of the world? We don't have enough food. I don't want them raised in that setting. It's better. glad my parents didn't do that to me because we weren't exactly floating with bank account. What do you mean, Pastor? I'm not being mean today, and please know my heart. I have to be so careful how I tiptoe around this. But I have a, we have learned to subdue the Jesus in us due to the world around us. James 118 says a double-minded, uh, a double-minded man is, is unstable in all of his ways. How do we alleviate the inner war, that war that's going on? We tend to allow reasoning to overwhelm spirit. Let me tell you some of the statements that we make as Christians. And I've said some of these, we say this, did God really say that? Well, that's back in Bible days. That doesn't really apply to me. That's just the Bible days. Or I don't want me or my kids to be ostracized. We say this kind of stuff. Oh, my kids can go to that party. They're smarter than that. It's just for fun. I'm stronger than the images on the screen. Nudity doesn't bother me. We live in America. The Constitution protects me. Some of the stuff we say. Hey, we watch that, but we balance what we watch. We watch good and bad at our house. That's called a C average, okay? You make A's and F's, it equals a C. Here we go. And you're the curve for the church. Thank you. I always appreciated people that were the, grave, the, the ones that caused the grading curve. In our, uh, my friends appreciated me, as a matter of fact, in college. I've helped produce that grading curve. Pat, what'd you make? Awesome. That helped me. Here we go. Here's one. Married people. I can look at the menu as long as I don't order. And what we tell teenage, we, you know, we used to tell teenage guys, just look once. The problem is they look for an hour and a half. They're like... I'm doing my wants. (laughs) I'm just exploring my inner self. I have the right to do whatever I want. My actions don't hurt anyone else. I want my kids to be popular more than I was. Isaiah 520 says, what are those who call evil good and good evil? All, these are all examples of ignoring the, the voice of God. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. So as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear my voice, do not harden your hearts. As you did in the rebellion during the time of the testing. What is, what is Romans chapter 8, verse 26? The Spirit helps us in our weakness. Paul told the Corinthian church twice. He said, my Spirit, God's Spirit, is a deposit in our lives. See, I can't laugh at jokes like other people. I can't be a part of uh, I can't play that little game. Why? Because, see, there's something different inside of me. I try to do it. And the cognitive reasoning that I try to, oh, that's not that bad. Come on, I'm mature enough. And then God says, what are you doing, Pat? I ask you not to even be a part of that because you always take it to another level. See, it's that place of making a stand, even if it means you're standing by yourself. Even if it means you get ostracized. Well, I may lose my job for saying that. I won't lie to that person on that cell. Well, let me tell you something. If you lose your job for the sake of the gospel, get ready. You're about to get a promotion and get blessed. But see, it's all about trusting God past our reasoning. It's all about, it's Acts 1-8. He said it best. He said, "But you will receive power. Of the Lord. I will make you a witness for me." What do you mean? Number four, the generation that wasn't protected. Here we go. It's going to get intense. I'm going into the apologetics. Look at what it says in Lamentations chapter two, verse nineteen. It says this best. And let me just say this: the enemy's goal is to destroy a generation. The enemy's entire goal is to take our kids out. His goal is to to to, to completely get them and win. And I told you through secular humanism, they've done it through the school system. The Bible says, Arise, cry out in the night as the watches of the night begin. Pour out your heart like water in the presence of the Lord. Lift up your hands to him who lit, who, for the lives of your children who faint from hunger on the head of every street. I'm reminded in 1930 there was a, an office that was started by the Catholic Church, also with some Protestant people that joined them. This office was placed in the middle of Hollywood in, the 1930, in 1930. They came up what, with what is called a uh, production code. And the the Catholic Church came up with the League of Decency. In other words, anytime any movie, in fact, when Gone with the Wind came out, they went through absolute war because there was one curse word at the end of the movie in there. When he said, frankly, my dear. And see, what you got to understand is they came up with a League of Decency. They came up with this whole concept. But in 1952, they closed the doors because of pressure. And the moral conduct began to slip and to slide because used to, you could not get a movie onto Hollywood, a screenwriter, anything else without going through that Catholic office. But in 1952, when they pulled their offices out of there, and they once yielded unbelievable power, the Catholic church, and there was Protestants involved in too And in 1968, the code was rewritten concerning obscene material. They waited just long enough for the Catholic church to be quiet. In 1985, it was rewritten again to what G, PG, the whole concept. Now what we watch that is is considered PG would have been R. I want you to know they're rewriting the code again this year. See, what you've got to understand is where's the church? We've abdicated, we've gotten rid of our role in our nation because we've hidden in our little closets and said, let them die. And we've allowed hedonism to go crazy. Now, hedonism is not a new thing. Hedonism is the belief system. It's philosophy from the Epicureans that basically is this. It's who Paul argued with on Mars Hill in Acts chapter 17. It's the belief that pleasure is the highest good for individuals in society. Basically, it's the root of Epicureanism, which basically, by the way, Thomas Jefferson was an Epicureist. That's why he had no trouble going out and having sex with all of his slaves. Pastor, you're getting really real, aren't you? Yeah, because it's where America's at right now. It's basically enjoy life, pursuit of pleasure. God has no impact on our lives. It's moral relativism. It's the whole concept that humanism is at work, that that really there's no such thing as God. And as long as I seek out my pleasure, I'm okay. How many of you still with me? I can walk away from my family and leave my wife and children and go after that little girl over there because my kids will bounce back. But I'm getting what I want. It's my turn. It's called hedonism. 75% of all Google search engines is for pornography. 75% of all websites of pornography are owned between 18 and 25 years old. Pornography is rampant in America because of this term called hedonism, which came from a philosophy of Epicureanism, which basically means I can do whatever I want and it's still Wild. The Center for Disease Control, the CDC in America and Prevention, reports that sexually transmitted disease, STDs, in America right now remain a major public health challenge in the United States. Why? The CDC estimates that approximately 19 million new infections occur each year. And, listen, almost more than half are between the age of 15 and 25 years old. So it's all over our nation, hedonism is. Do what you want. You're not going to tell me what to do. If you don't believe it, go to Abercrombie and Finch. Look at the pictures on the wall. They just came out with a new series of T-shirts for junior high, high school, and college students in America right now. And that is, the, it's called the New College Line. And they came out with three T-shirts that are going crazy. And let me just read to you those ads right now. They just came out this, this week. The 1st ANF T-shirt pictures a young woman opening her blouse, exposing herself. And the front of the T-shirt says, Show the Twins. Number two, the new t-shirt that just came out by Abercrombie & Fitch is the second pictures of a female running nude and a titles it on the shirt saying female streaking encouraged. The third t-shirt that's being pushed to our junior high, high school and college students right now and the new line that has come out from Abercrombie & Fitch is called the new college line is, is basically the t-shirt says female students wanted for sexual research. That's what it says on the walls. Isn't it cute? But see, all through history, Satan has just tried to destroy our children. In fact, I'm reminded of throughout history in the Old Testament, whenever Israel, not, not the heathen nations, not those old bad Muslim nations, not the Moabites, not all the Hittites and the, the Budlites and the Middle Lights, no, 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 Israel... When they would start worshiping false idols, it all ended up to one more thing that they would do is they would start working, worshiping Moloch and Moloch was a, basically an idol that meant that you had to sacrifice your children. So they would take and put a fire inside of this statue that they would worship. In fact, Solomon, even when he got weird, had them worshiping. And basically the hands of this statue would heat up to a red hot heat and they would take their babies and put them in the hands of the statue and the babies would burn to death to sacrifice that idol. Oh, that's horrible. Isn't that sick. Can you imagine? Really? You forget where we live. So let me talk about the two cases today and I'll be done. What are the two cases that you're presenting, Pastor? Remember last week, folks, I promise I'm not being mean. I'm just tired of us not knowing what's going on. And I believe the love of God. And before I go into these two issues, let me just say this. I wrestled. Oh, my goodness. I wrestled. I prayed this week. I'm like, Lord, please let me have the right spirit and the right heart when I present this. Because we will be the church that will love. We will be the church that I will not put a rainbow flag outside of my building. But instead, I'll put a flag that has the blood of Jesus on it saying, come on in here. This is where it's at. See, I believe it is time for the church to rise up with love. And not throwing stones, but throwing ropes to pull people out of things. I believe that when a confused, come on and get excited. I am so tired of being a stupid church. People that don't know what we believe. And we will be called bigots for the sake of of somebody else's personal freedom. And it's time that we made a stand for what we actually believe. Well, you know, how do you have the right? Go to my office. Walk in there and see the tens of thousands of testimonies. I have preached to millions of kids. I do know what it's like for a little girl to walk up to me at a winter retreat last year and hand me a rainbow bracelet. And this precious little girl says to me, because of tonight, take my rainbow bracelet, the little beads that we, by the way, used to be used to represent how you explain the gospel. And she said, would you take this? Because after tonight, I'm no longer gay, but I'm heterosexual. And I'm going to wait on a man of God to come to me and be my husband. Or go up to the young man that walked up to me three years ago on a college campus in California when I preached that night that you are not born gay. I preached that instead of being born gay, homosexuality is a product of a choice and action or environment. And he walks out angry, and you've heard me share this, but he's angry with me, and he's big, big, huge guy, and he looks like he wants to beat me up and he says you prove it to me because two years ago I was molested by a man and I think I'm gay big old kid but when he spoke he sounded like a girl till finally suddenly, he, he's on the ground and, he's, and I said do you want to be free and he said yeah he said I want to be free he never had a dad and next thing you know he's beating the ground and his knuckles are bleeding he looks at me and I said keep saying you're a man he's saying he's a man but his voice didn't change till finally I looked down and I said you demonic spirit from hell that took root in his life two years ago I rebuke you and I bind you and I send you to the dry places. you let his life go and he raised up and exploded and screamed out with a man voice i am a man completely set free but we live in a time where sexual identity controls the airwaves gone are the days of man plus woman equals family family's been redefined by our culture to include every single lifestyle Christians are considered to be bigots. Gay right activists see it as a human rights uh, issue. Second Peter 5.8 says that homosexuality is also referred to as ungodly lifestyle and sensual conduct. Romans chapter 1, we know what it says in God's word that men will become lovers of men and women lovers. And God says, I'm sorry, that's wrong. See, what you've got to understand is, well, why don't you just bring up the whole Sodom and Gomorrah thing, Pat? Come on, pastor. See, I don't even have to do that. Again, I'm going to give you apologetics today. Are you still with me? Because I believe it's time for us to say, if you're gay, welcome to the summit. What do you mean? Absolutely. I will wrap my arms around you and I will help you get free. But then the problem is we have competing cultures in the church. When the Lutheran church in August of this year decided it's okay for a homosexual man or a lesbian woman to stand up and hold the office of pastor and preach the gospel in practicing relationship in the pulpit, something is wrong. That is not right. Martin Luther would nail a thesis to somebody's forehead. See, what you got to realize is it is wrong, but the church is compromising for the sake of money and for pews. But somebody's got to stand up and say, I'm sorry, that's not truth. It's not right. Does that mean we're mean? No, just preach the truth. When Vermont ice cream maker Ben and Jerry decided to change their ice cream this month, this month, right now, decided to change their ice cream because this month Vermont can now legally uh, have... Uh, gay marriages, when they decided to change the hubby-bubby ice cream to hubby-hubby ice cream, where it's got two caricatures of men standing there together holding hands in celebration of Vermont's new law on gay marriage, something is wrong. And I love Ben and Jerry's. Idiots. I'm going to ask Karen to buy it, put it in another tub, so I'll eat it. Oscar night, three years running, the majority of the awards have gone to environmentalist film or homosexual films. You don't think there's an all-out attack? When Ford, when uh, Pepsi, when GE, when Target, even Walmart are now sponsoring pro-gay parades, something is wrong. What happened to the family? Well, Pastor, okay, you're just nailing us with all this stuff. You've been listening to, to America, American Family Association. I probably have. But the Medal of Freedom Award that is given away every year by our president. This year, the seven honorees were as such. And by the way, this award that goes out, the Medal of Freedom Award, basically is this. It's the award given uh, by the president, the highest civilian award in the U.S., and it's, for, it's designed to recognize individuals who have made especially meritorious, meritorious contribution to the security or national interest of the United States. Martin Luther King Jr., uh, uh, Bobby Kennedy uh, people that fought for civil rights have all received this amazing reward. It's the, uh, it's the award given by the president to say thank you. And it doesn't just have to go to um, U.S. citizens. But let me go through and tell you who got them this year. Harvey Milk, he was the first gay politician in San Francisco back in the 60s. Billie Jean King, the tennis star of the 1960s and 70s who made headlines by declaring herself gay, and le- uh, a lesbian rather, 1981 for having helped champion gender equality issues, not only in sports, but in all areas of public life. South African Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who I actually like, but the problem is he's one of the leading promoters of homosexual sin in the Anglican church. These are the first three. I'll hit the rest in just a moment. Pastor, why are you sharing this with us? This week on American Idol, uh, which is a show our family loves to watch, Ellen DeGeneres is now taking the place of Paula Abdul. Whatever. I'm not getting into all that. But I will tell you that Chris Allen, who won it last year, has not even been seen anywhere on anything. Instead, the next month, the the guy that was second runner-up, Adam, who's gay, was on the front of Rolling Stone. Chris Allen, who won, is a worship leader. And nobody's heard from him since he won. I think they hit him. Pastor, are you you being mean today? No, I'm just telling you that there's an all-out attack on what true gender is. There's all an attack on what real marriage is. And I'm sorry, I'm going to give you some some facts. Let's go first with homosexuality versus heterosexuality. Uh, Number one, procreation cannot take place without a man and a woman. There's your fact. There's your logic, okay? Hello. Did God decide to leave some ovaries out of Pat? Thank you, Lord, for not giving me those. I'm way too intense to have a cycle. Can you believe I just said that? Trust me, we're all happy. Okay, I'm moving on because I'm turning red. All right? Don't text me about it. (laughs) Wow. Karen, I'm just preaching Bible. Number two. The American psychiatric. these are facts, again, apologetics. It's okay if I do this, but what are we going to preach about blessings and fire and outpouring of God? I love all that. We're going to go there. First, I want to give you some deep stuff for a few weeks. I want these warriors that go to Ignite every week to know what they believe. But I don't want them to walk up to a gay guy and be mean to him. And I'm going to hit those issues in just a second. We have been mean because we don't like it. What if we wrapped our arms around somebody and said, come here, man. Come here, young man. Let me show you how to be a man. See, I don't want my daughter to have to have sit on another man's lap to learn how to be treated. Let me tell you something. I'm a kisser. And we, our family, we kiss on the lips. And my little girl every night, she gets a big old kiss right there. And it's slobbery. Because I'm teaching her what a daddy's all about. Because lesbianism and, and the whole concept is a fear of men is what it boils down to. In fact, let me just say it. Homosexuality is an angry spirit. You want to mess with somebody that's angry? Cross that line. You'll get beat up. But if what if we walked in with the love of God and said, come here. Let me tell you why you weren't created this way, but I love you. Number two, the American Psychiatric reports. there are no replicated, listen, scientific studies supporting any specific biological etiology, cause or origin for homosexuality. In other words, you weren't born with a gene. It's not a gene issue. We've done genomes on it. It's not, it's not there. We've choked in your helic DNA and you don't suddenly have some little different thing in your DNA helic. In that spiraling ladder of your life. No, it is a lie to say you were born that way. You're not. Laws and moral standards are not set in place based on feelings or emotions. I don't suddenly, if I stood up and said, from this point on, everybody in here is an Alabama fan. It's a new law. Some of you would love it. Others of you would throw egos through my front door. In other words, I don't make a law according to my emotions. And that's what exactly what is happening when it comes to the protection of Marriage based on emotions number four psychological and social studies have proven that homosexuality is a byproduct of choice actions convened upon an individual or social environment what do you mean one third of all homosexuals will tell you that they were molested or that they were wounded as a child especially young ladies one out of three in America there's our problem it's called hedonism If I can't get it off the computer out of a magazine I'll just go do it to somebody Number six, the homosexual lifestyle is a dangerous lifestyle. It is proven, and I got these actual off—not Christian websites. I deliberately went to like government and and gay websites, not pornographic websites, but but their, their reportings. Watch. The homosexual lifestyle is a dangerous lifestyle in regards to AIDS and other STDs. The homosexual most often has 50% more sexual partners than a heterosexual. Sometimes 90%. 79% of the time, it is with a perfect stranger. So it's a dangerous. It's dangerous. Many times, they are married and they bring anything home to that partner at the house. It's okay if I share in this kind of stuff. i am just give you some logic for those of you who sit in class every day. 78% of homosexuals are affected by STDs. Can I tell you this? How many of you are still with me so far? I will tell you that 50% of all suicides can be attributed to homosexuality. That's from the homosexual rights are concerned for some post-tribune. It's out of the Chicago post-tribune is where that came out of. The Kinsey report, uh, the Kinsey study, you know that Alfred Kinsey guy, that great guy that helped explore sexuality in the 1940s and 50s at Indiana University. He tried, he tried to say that through his study that 10% of the population is gay. And they've proven that's not even right it may be four percent that can claim that but the problem is they dominate the airwaves the books and the classroom you know it's even proven that a homosexual man makes more money than a heterosexual man let me give you my reason i'm hurrying real quick a homosexual he can be set free It's an angry and a wounded spirit that somebody's got to walk over and be a man or be a lady and love them and walk them to freedom. Fathers play the greatest role in teaching true biblical sexuality to a child. Well, in a generation where 34% have grown up without a dad, how are they going to know? Most gay men did not have a proper man influence in their life. Not always. That's not scientific. But sometimes... Number four, a healthy family leads to a healthy child. Number five, this is my reason for this. Do not accept the cultural pressure that reasons with sin. We have gotten to a place where we used to. We just laughed because they they, they portrayed themselves as funny and goofy and eh, flippant. And now it is intense. It went from the goofy (laughs) to you better get out of my way. Number six, God doesn't make mistakes. He didn't put a man in a a female's body by accident. Oops, we dropped that one. No. Number seven, a homosexual can discover their true identity in Christ. Are you with me? And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9, it says, be careful. Do, do, Do you not know that the unrighteous and the wrongdoers will not inherit or share? It goes on to talk about the different sins. But listen to what I'm saying to you. I'm trying to get very real with you. Cy Rogers is a preacher that's preaching all over America. He's filling up conferences. He's a ho- a formal homosexual guy that is preaching about how to be free. God's really using Cy. Friends of mine have had him. I may have him in Birmingham. What's my prescription? Learn how to minister to a homosexual. Learn how to love them. Get rid of your fears. Number three. Go to places like org. You need to check that out. It's an incredible website. Offers amazing recovery and counseling program for homosexuals. This is something they said. Number four, I just copied it as one of my answers. Number four, although deliverance from homosexuality activity is the call of God, the healing of the homosexual inclination will vary according to growth and as a result of our faith identity with Christ rather than as a way to it. Nevertheless, Uh, The the Homosexual Agenda holds that the homosexual inclination may be, or excuse me, uh, this website holds that the homosexual inclination may be healed and that all who desire it may realize they're inborn, though fallen heterosexuality, thus opening the way to heterosexual marriage and family. You can help them get free. There's a young man in this room right now. I don't know if he's here. Is he here? We We talked a few minutes ago. He told me I could use this story. Justin believed for the longest time that he was gay. And God has delivered him. It's still a war. The enemy still attacks him. I mean, we've, said, we've had long talks. But he told me after first service, he said, Pastor, share my story. You're a hero to me, son, and I love you. Would you give Justin a hand? But Justin, I've, ever, I've never hidden from hugging you or gone, ooh. No, no, sir. No, sir. No, sir. And if anybody has, I'm sorry. Because we've got to get the love of God back in us. The church must get back to love without reason, but holiness without compri- compromise. I don't have to throw out my co- I don't have to compromise my stand when I love somebody. I don't look at Nate and say, hey, Nate, go ahead and drive your car as fast as you want because I don't want to offend you. You're my son. I love you. No, I'm going to beat your tail if you drive fast. Or maybe I'll just ground you now. But listen a homosexual person is in search we must be the answer. Number seven, we must minister with respect and legislate with indifference of sin. Children, scientists will tell you a child begins to choose their sexuality at a young age. But I'm, I'm a single mom. Then get a dad in his life. So come to me. I'll find a man in the church that'll, that'll love on him. Or a little girl. If you're a dad raising girls without a mom in their life, you know what? Listen, they gotta have both. Is it okay if I shared on this? I'm about to close in a minute. I'm almost done. <laughs> Watch. How many of you know every time a nation starts killing its children, it's in trouble? It always falls. But every time God wants to change a generation, somebody will give birth. But even as in the days of Jesus, or in the days of Moses, the enemy wants to kill the unborn children. Do you know that they just proven that, and I wrote this in, a, in writing, that one, uh, uh, it's roughly three fourths of all babies that are aborted are firstborn young men. The enemy would love to take out that firstborn young man. What do you mean, Pastor? Case number five. Let me just stop right there and say that if you've ever battled with homosexual issues or you've explored or you've done all this kind of stuff, we will love you here at the summit. But we tell you, you do have to get free. We will tell you that if you were wounded, I'm sorry. But we want to tell you that you can get free and living in guilt. Maybe you don't feel like you could tell anybody. You call us. We'll find somebody you can talk to. Let me move on. How many of you okay with what I just taught? Everybody alright with this? Give God a praise offering. (laughs) Pro-life versus pro-choice. Probably no more divisive, intense, uh, hot-button topic in America. No more. It's babies. See, every day I get to look at my little sweetheart who's six years old and, and thank my God that her biological mother left her in a field at 15 days old by a police station in a park and didn't do what China demanded that she had to do by law. Instead, she preserved my little girl for me. So this is a hot-button topic for me personally, that every day in America 3,700 babies are aborted, 1.35 million a year. Worldwide, 115,000 babies enter into the presence of Jesus stripped from their mother's womb a day. Every year, 42 million. Let's talk about those Medal of Honor recipients. We've already done the first three. You tell me if they're worthy of Medal of Honor. Ted Kennedy, the Lion of the Senate. Kennedy just died, but he had a 100% N-A-R-A-L, pro-abortion voting record. He's pushed to embryonic stem cell research. By the way, that's the killing of a, we believe it's conception, so. And I, I mean, I, 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 anyway. Can I go ahead and tell you something? Canada has no abortion laws. We're always 10 years behind them. Get ready. Pretty soon, up into the day of the term, pretty soon, someone like Sean and Enid, yes, last, this morning they had their baby at 3.52 a.m. Yesterday at 3.52 in the afternoon, she could have went and had an abortion in Canada. Who else got the award? Sandra Day O'Connor. Supreme Court Justice, who wrote it, who supported Roe v. Wade and opposed banning partial birth abortion. Nancy Goodman Baker, the founder, uh, co-founder or founder of the breast cancer fundraising organization, Susan G. Komen for the cure. You know, the cure, the pink ribbons. That's awesome. And we, we, we believe in that, right? I mean. I come from a family where breast cancer is a history. And, isn't that awesome, Pastor? Well, the problem with that is, the problem is, you got to go a little bit deeper because this organization pours millions in donations to Planned Parenthood and embryonic stem cell research. She got the award. Pro-abortion, former Irish president Mary Robinson received an award uh, for her role as president of New York-based initiative Realizing Rights. She was the former president of Ireland, by the way. And she started something called Realizing Your Rights, the Ethical globalization initiative which promotes the expansion of abortion across the world she got the award the seven recipients of the medal of freedom award that was given out by the white house uh at the end of august went to nothing but people who believed in abortion and pushed homosexuality i'm just saying what do you mean, Pastor? And I'm going to hit some hard issues. And some of you may not like what I say here. And I'm closing in just a moment. I promise you. What about the health care thing? Doesn't everybody deserve health care? Man, I'm telling you, Karen and I know what it's like not to have health care. We know what it's like to walk through that. We really do. And I would love that everybody had health care. And I'm not even going to get on that side of, uh, of my argument for or against. But I will tell you this. Contrary to what our president made a statement on August 20th. Barack Obama, President Obama said this, and I pray for my president every day. He's my president, okay? He said it's a fabrication to say that the legislation backed by the White House would result in government funding of abortions. This is the new health care thing, okay? See, you, the problem is you've got to take it all. You can't, okay, give me some of that. Help those little kids that don't have health care. You've got to take it all is their concept. Uh, but, but Zoe Lofgren, who's the Democrat from California, made this statement. She said abortion will be covered as a benefit by one or more of the health care plans available in America. National Right to Life, September 10th. I'm almost done. Please follow me for a second. And again, I'm talking about now pro-life versus pro-choice. I can tell you that by the age of 45 in America one out of every 2.5 women will have had an abortion. This is a very serious deal. And, and there's women that are walking around with guilt and pain. And I will tell you that there's ladies in America, they belong to PASS, which is PASS. And, and, and it, it's a website that has over 1.7 million members. And this website, uh, PASS, stands for Post uh, Traumatic uh, Abortion Stress Syndrome. And uh, see, what you've got to understand is... is uh, it's very real what is going on in America right now since 1972. And I'm going to go there in just a second. But Right to Life said this on 2009, September 10th. They said the public option would be a program within the Department of Health and Human Services, DHS, DHHS. And would be headed by the uh, Health and Human Services Secretary. We all uh, know what that means. But anyway, under the CAPS amendment, abortion providers would send their bills to the Department of Health and Human Services... And they would receive payment in the form of a check drawn on a federal treasury account. That is checks drawn on federal government funds, public funds. This would be a direct link to the government paying for abortion. I'm sorry, I can't support it. Is it okay if you're still with me? Are you still with me? I'm about to get intense now. now just for five more minutes. What about Roe v. Wade, Pastor, in 1972? Roe v. Wade. By by the way, and let me explain how this all happened. In Roe v. Wade, the court held that a mother may abort her pregnancy for any reason up until the point at which the fetus becomes viable. I forgot to ask Pastor Sean a few minutes ago, how's the fetus? The court defined viability as the potential to live outside the mother's womb, albeit with artificial aid, adding that viability is usually placed at about seven uh, months, 28 weeks, but may occur earlier at 24 weeks. How many of you ever seen a baby born at four months old that they kept alive? It actually has happened. Follow me for just a second. The court said that after viability, abortion must be available when needed to protect a woman's health. Let me explain something to you. 98% of all abortions have nothing to do with the mother's health. I'm going to hit abortion for just a moment. And this is a very touchy, touchy topic because, Pastor, you're preaching about something that is legal, something that is okay, and I made this mistake or I did this. I'm going to get very, very real with you. Are you okay with me so far? They use Roe v. Wade. They use due process, which is a part of the 14th Amendment. What is that? I'll explain it to you. Let me get very real. Let me give you the logics against abortion, what I believe. Not just that I believe I'm created by God. Psalm 139. I'm going to read that to you in a moment. Let me give you some logics. Number one, life was defined by term in this case. This is some holes in the case. How can you determine when life is? Well, I mean... Okay, so a baby can live at 24 weeks. Is that 24 weeks in one hour? 24 weeks in three days? So there's a big gray area there. Number two, a test tube baby can live outside the womb. Number three, that's called embryonic stem cell research, by the way, church. Number three, the argument of rape or incest is not mentioned anywhere in the court documents and was never a consideration in Roe versus Wade. Norma McCorvey, who was Roe, Uh, affidavit. does not include the word rape. By the way, she was a lady that traveled with a carnival back in the 60s. She got pregnant and and she couldn't have an abortion. Number seven, it is established for a woman's health. 98% of all abortions are for convenience. This is your logic when you're sitting in a classroom that you can use. Due process... Number five, covers the unborn child. What is due process, Pastor? It's what was used in Roe v. Wade. It was the argument. What is due process? I'll explain it. It's the principle that the government must respect all of the legal rights that are owed to in a person according to the law of the land. It goes back as far as the Magna Carta in England. Okay? Okay. Um, it's 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 a case law these principles give individuals ability or rights that the government cannot eat impede upon part of due process i can have a gun okay part it's due process you can't tell me uh that i can't eat today it's a due process so that's what they use that a woman has the right through due process to say no government law can invade her body forgetting the fact I may remember four years ago when President Bush signed into law the Connor and Lacey law after Lacey Peterson was murdered by her husband, and they found the baby was actually delivered, came out of her in the ocean. So they passed that law, and President Bush signed into the law what, what is called the Unborn Victim Violence Act. <laughs> Come on. Basically it's this. That if you harm a mother or murder a mother or homicide a mother when the child is inside of her, that you are not killing one person, you're killing two. How can you pass that law and still have the other law? Are you still with me? If I go and murder a lady that's six weeks pregnant, you just murdered two people according to a law that was just signed in four years ago, five years ago. I mean, I love the law, but I also believe due process applies to a child, that you don't have the right, according to the 14th Amendment, the 14th Amendment, section one says all persons are created equal, and it basically says, no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the, pro- the privileges or immunities of a citizen of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, live, life, stop. I don't have a right to deprive anybody of life. <laughs> Liberty or property. This is my own personal research. If you don't agree with that, I didn't get this off a website. See, what are you talking about? I'm almost done. The child's a citizen. Number seven, data does not indicate illegal abortion will rise. A, a congressman stood up and he said, listen, I've gone from countries that have had abortion for years and there's no proof that if you outlaw abortion then suddenly they'll start doing it in the back alleys and places. No proof of that. Number eight, the, the, the court doesn't always get it right. This big, listen to me close. Are you still with me? I'm done right here. I'm about to close. We'll go eat lunch. <laughs> Some of y'all are like... Did he just say hamburger? Listen. Isn't that getting on your nerves? That crying? Jesus says, Keep crying. Keep crying. Court doesn't always get it right. What do you mean? How many remember in 1857 it's called the Dred Scott case? Basically, seven to two, the Supreme Court ruled that a black person, an African American, belongs to a slave and has no individual rights. That's called the Dred Scott case. It was a demonic ruling. So the court doesn't always get it right, right? It's amazing. About 116 years later, in 1972, (laughs) The same margin, seven to two, the court ruled that a child inside of a mother has no legal rights. So if they missed it on slavery, they probably missed it on this one. I've got to close. This is a big one. A child is complete at conception, and I'll close with this. Pastor Eric, come on. Do you know the heart starts beating between 18 and 25 days? Do you know that electrical brain waves have been recorded at forty-three days on an EEG of a child? A brain of a child at forty-three days, he's already thinking. In the absence of a brain wave, they they it, it indicates death, right? Unplug, right? Well, why will pro abortionists not accept the presence of a brainwave as a confirmation of a life? The brain and all body systems are present by eight weeks and functioning a month later. At eight weeks, the baby will wake up, sleep, make a fist, suck his thumb, and get the hiccups. At the end of nine weeks, the baby has his own unique fingerprints. At 11 weeks, this, I'm just giving facts. I'm still on the facts. Sorry. I know those are boring. At 11 to 12 weeks, the baby is sensitive to heat, touch, light. And noise, all body systems are working. He weighs or she weighs about 28 grams and it's just 7.5 centimeters long. This is the big one. Number 10. I've done a, a thousand altar calls. The psychological and emotional effects on the mother of an aborted child is a lifetime issue. But also, PE, Pastor Eric, And daddy's too, right? You know what that's like, right? Reason. Share the story with somebody of a premature child that shouldn't have lived. Jim Wilder's not here, but I went over and over into that nursery and saw that nursery and that little sweet grandbaby of his, both of them. And I held, put my finger in there, and their finger's about that big. They were premature. They lived for a year, so one of them did less. Prescription. You're not here by chance. We all have a destiny. God can restore and heal the mother of an aborted child And the daddy Perfect timing Stand with me Can I read you one scripture for real? Just one Psalms 139 of the Message Bible says this Come here, baby. Karen, come join me. Oh, yes. You shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God. You're breathtaking. This is the Message Bible of Psalms 139. I love this Bible. I'm just falling in love with it because it's just so cool. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know me. Every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made. Bit by bit. Here's a little prescription for you. That's all this is. How I sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. Chapter. Oh, <laughs> look at Pat. Look, there's Pat and Karen getting married. He knew it. He knew it. Here's old Nate being born. <clears throat> Here's a... They're, they're standing on the Great Wall. I wonder what they're going to do that day. Oh, that night they would go and get happy. The days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. Jeremiah one five. He said to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. There's people in this room that have battled with homosexuality. And there's inevitably people in the room that's that's had an abortion or been a part of that. You can't raise your hand. You can't do any of that. You know what I'd have you to do? See, 25% of their generation is dead. Somebody that might have been hitting you on the football field Friday night never had a chance. Somebody that could have solved AIDS. The empty desk right there. That kid never showed up to class. Join me down front. Come on. Let's go. Let's bring class together. Tells me so. Little ones to him belong. For oh, they are. We say yes. Come on, let's sing it. Jesus. He's going to read Nate's paper from the eighth grade. It's so good. He wrote it in the eighth grade. He just talked about what if. He said we we put babies down like we put dogs down. We murder by convenience. A paper Nate wrote in the eighth grade. Uh, It's so powerful. What if we're killing the next president? What if. But if you realize you're killing their family. People think that it's a woman's choice that the babies aren't really alive because they're so innocent. When was the last time you heard of killing someone being okay? I don't know. See, you know what we've done at the church is we've stood across the street as a little girl's getting out of the car because she don't want daddy to know she's there. She's walking into an abortion clinic and we're screaming stuff. Murder! Blood on your hands. The sinner going, come here. Come here, let me love you. This isn't something you're going to get over with in five minutes. It's going to haunt you. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 7 that God will remove all guilt, all pain, all hurt. So while the church has been screaming from across the street our innuendos and we've been shooting each other, killing the doctors or they're killing us like happened this last week why well, don't we just go love a generation and preach what is right and wrong and be there and if they go ahead and do it we go come on come here we love you through this because you're going to need some help later on in life because you just had a piece of you stripped from you and it wasn't just a piece of me it was a living human being What if we love the generation past our anger? When we see a flamboyant guy, ooh, come on, man. You're a man. I'll show you how to be a man. We say now, yes, Jesus. Loves me, oh yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Oh, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Oh, yes, Jesus. Would you shut your eyes across this room? And for the sake of not embarrassing anybody or bringing attention to someone's past. Wow, I've gone so long. I'm sorry. With your eyes shut across this room, if you say, Pastor, Pastor, I need to pray. But this is private, dude. This is private. i tell you what we're going to do. We're going to all pray. Okay? Your sin's no different than somebody else's. So why don't we all pray this together. Dear Jesus, I'm so sorry for mistakes I've made, the guilt I feel, would you forgive me? Show me who you created me to be. And if I've also made mistakes, if I've harmed another living creature, I'm sorry. Let me see that cre- let me see that child. So again, me may not have done this, but I'm very praying. Let me see my child. Running at the feet of Jesus, I'm sorry, Jesus. Oh, oh, I feel him. I feel like somebody's getting some guilt ripped off of him. You've had every pre- uh, he's ripping it off. I don't know who you are, I don't care what you pray?
1: Lord, I just pray for peace this morning, Lord. I pray for freedom and healing, Lord. Lord, I pray that you remove guilt. That you remove all of that anxiety, all of that fear, Lord, all of that inadequacy, Lord. I pray right now that you just bring freedom into this room. Lord, I pray that in a world where there are so many women who are living in silent mourning, Lord, silent pain, Lord, not allowed to let anyone know that the pain that they feel. Lord, I pray that right now you allow them to release that into your arms, Lord, and just receive healing right now, in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for those people who are battling the confusion over over their sexuality, Lord, over being confused about their gender. Lord, I pray that right now the blinders will be removed, and they will be able to see truth, and they will know you, and they will know who they have been created to be in you, Lord. Lord, I pray that right now, that men will stand up to be men that will embrace their masculinity lord will embrace that warrior heart that god has created them to have and i pray for women that they will embrace their femininity lord as a gift not as a curse and lord i pray right now that you just allow your healing oil to flow over this place lord and allow healing and forgiveness lord and freedom to take place right now in jesus name
0: I want oh, every, really every man, call. every woman to raise your okay. hands right now. I'm, I know this is intense. It's different than usual. But say, Father, heal our land. Heal me. See, that song's just not for babies. That song is for adults, too. Can we sing it together? Oh, we say now, yes, Jesus.